It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Hey, guys, welcome to the Locked On Wizards podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, I'm your host, Troy Halliburton, and on the other line, He's cornering podcasts like a Walmart and a cul-de-sac. My guy, Armand Lee. How you doing today, man? Hey, man. Hey, I appreciate you having me on, Joe, man. Shout out to you for, you know, securing the bag, doing your thing, man. You cornering the market. So, you know what I'm saying? I, you talked about this personally, like privately. You know, the, the, the area deserves better basketball coverage. And, you know, I'm just happy to tag along with you, man, to, to help, you know, satisfy that, uh, that thirst, you know. Hey man, on the real, like you, you've been one of my inspirations for the DC market when it comes to podcasting. So man, I'm just, I'm just trying to get like you out here, man. <laughs> hey, like you said, man, that's a black man, that's a black man thing right there, Joe. I'm trying to get like you, bro. Exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, man, I'm glad to have you on because you know you're, you're a basketball uh, uh, savant, and you know you're always <laughs> on the NBA Twitter talking about the comings and goings. So I guess uh, first I want to start with the uh, with the monumental basketball announcement. Uh, part of monumental sports, Ted Leonsis came out and announced that the team was uh, finally taking the interim tag off of Tommy Shepard, making him the team's official GM. And also with that, it didn't just it wasn't it wasn't just that it was a complete rollout where they had uh, Sashi Brown. He's coming on. John Thompson the third is coming on. Uh, Dr. Daniel Medina from uh, the Philadelphia 76ers is coming on. What were your first impressions as a, as a, a local basketball fan on what was going on with the, with the whole monumental basketball movement? <laughs> yeah, man. So I remember Friday I'm at work, and it was it, it felt like it was going to be a news dump. Like, okay, Tommy Shepard gets the interim tag removed. And I, I felt so bad because I was like, you know, I've, I've been a big critic of Ted over the, over the years, and I was thinking, you know, Tommy, in my opinion, has done a good job, all things considered, right? I'm not saying he, he's Jerry West, but at the same time, he's put the Wizards, there's at least seemingly a vision. So I was disappointed Friday because I was like, yo, I know there were a lot of big names tossed this offseason, and, you know, you and I and people with this podcast probably are a little bit more invested into the NBA than your casual fans. So for them, it's like, okay, it's just Ernie Jr., so Monday happened, and I was very excited, not just because they gave him what I felt was a deserving rollout, but I'm really big on innovation. I'm really big on trying new things, um, experimenting, and definitely the collaborative effort that monumental sports uh, or basketball, however they're phrasing it, what it seems like, at least initially. I'm super excited, and I'm not even a Wizards fan. Um, I like the idea of having a lot of, forward thinking but not necessarily um, um, monolithic minds together, right? I like having difference of opinion and then kind of iron sharpens iron. And it seems as if Ted and Monumental Sports, they are they are rolling this out, right, where we're going to have a collaborative effort of a lot of smart, engaging, different, but forward thinking minds. And ultimately, right, the best ideas will, will rise to the top. You know what I mean? So... If you are a Wizards fan, I think it's an exciting time. You know, it's a, it's a, it's an important time. It's vital 
There are a lot of really huge decisions, but at least it seems like right now, as it stands, uh, a few days after the initial announcement, there is a uniformed vision, and everybody is in lockstep, and there isn't just one kind of past master who's leading the charge. It's a group effort with a lot of smart, forward-thinking people, and I think it's an exciting it's an exciting time for basketball fans in the district. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's definitely an exciting time for basketball fans in the district, and I think you touched on one of the important points was the fact that, you know, they, they're bringing in a, a diverse group of people um, to, you know, just a group think is, is, is you know, kind of the, the, the new age way of uh, business models. And so, I mean, I think that you're just having the more heads in the room. I think one of the phrases that uh, Teleonsis kept using was uh, many hands make for light work. So, you know, instead of what well, we had Ernie Grunfeld, for, he was the GM for 16 years, essentially the team was, you know, uh, beholden to what he was doing. And, you know, and Ted, he even admitted the fact that, you know, he used to only have communications with Ernie. So, you know, that, I mean, that, 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 that kind of was a drawback for the franchise when, you know, oh, we're in the 21st century now and, you know, teams have, you know, whole departments uh, of, of, of people, analytics people and scouts and all that. Like, and I feel like the Wizards really didn't have the type of resources that other people had. And, uh, yeah, so I think that it, it's good that the fact that Ted is doing that. No, nah, man, I mean, it's crazy, you know, when, when you think about basketball in this area, specifically professional basketball, but not even just basketball. It's just free, like, expanded as wide as you can. This is such an affluent city, uh, smart, young, innovative minds here, right? A vibrant city with a, a, a large passion for whatever it is, maybe, whether we're talking politics, whether we're talking basketball, arts, it's all here. And it seems like the Wizards, right, have been stuck in this archaic, this is the way it's always been done approach. It felt like just a breath of fresh air to see the team in, in, a, in a many ways, right, embracing AAU culture, embracing data, embracing, you know, a, a, a younger type of collaborative effort in terms of um, working together and, and being innovative. All of these things. I feel like you can kind of wrap your arms around if you are a native or someone who has, you know, planted roots in D.C., and now you have a team that more and more increasingly is starting to embrace not just the area but embrace the identity of the region. You know, look, ultimately you got to play the games, right? And right now it all feels good. I think Tommy Shepard won the the press conference. He run the, the media uh, circles, but you know the proof is going to be in the pudding. However, when you compare the vision, right, of this kind of rollout to what it's been for a decade and a half, you got to feel good if you're a Wizards fan right now. Yeah, I mean, I feel good right now too. I think one of the things I was talking with some people offline about is the fact that um, really Ted, it's really it's all on Ted. So, I mean, when you're talking about the collaborative effort, if Ted is able to let everybody do their work, if everybody, if he has everybody, you know what I'm saying, and in their specific roles, then the situation will work. But, right. you know, if, 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 if Ted, uh, you know, if he shows favoritism to uh, one of the four people who he brought in, and, you know, and I think that it needs to be hierarchy. We're talking about Tommy Shepard, who has the most experience when it comes to the basketball aspect of this. 
Like, I mean, I think that if he's able to really run the show how he sees fit and then everybody kind of falls in the line under that, under the same vision, then I feel like it'll probably work out. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you and I are talking just hours after Steve Ballmer has released this, you know, this magnificent uh, outline and plan blueprint for a new arena in Inglewood, right? And oftentimes, I know for me, just being honest, uh, I can be critical of the owners because, I don't know, it's almost like a reaction. I see, the you know, most people in the media uh, with large platforms, I should say, always criticize players, right? So just naturally, because I'm always going to align myself with players, I feel as if I need to, uh, like, turn the spotlight on the owners in the front office. But it's easier said than done because ultimately, right, it's not my money. And I think what the key would be, as you talk about with Ted, is not just the hierarchy but also the patience. You know what I mean? Because it's easy when you have Jerry West to just be like, yo, I'm falling back, like Balmer did, right? Because exactly. No one's, I, no one's it's gonna... not coincidental that you brought that up because Ted even brought up the compare to what the Clippers were doing. And so we talked about with the Clippers, when they're bringing in uh, very, very high-ranking people that are in the basketball world, like Lee Jenkins, who comes yeah. in. And it's like nobody knows what Lee Jenkins does for the Clippers, but you see the, the fruits of their labor. They're planting seeds. They've been doing that for two years now, and now you see that like it's, it's actually growing. So when they bring in John Thompson III, it's kind of similar like that. I, I, I like where your head is at, what you're talking about. But, right. like, like, you know, it, we really just have to kind of see how, how it all plays out. This is going to be paramount for Ted to be patient, not not feel the need to always jump into the kitchen and see what everybody is doing. Like, exactly. Well, I think – no, I think it is actually the – it's kind of the exact opposite of that, though, because we want Ted to get into the kitchen because we talked about how he didn't really uh, know what was going on with the team. He's owned the team for over 10 years now, and that he didn't really have any contact with anybody else in the organization besides Ernie Grunfeld. Then it's like, if you're really running a business, how can you run a proper business if you don't really know the people who are working for you, if you don't have a relationship with them? And I feel like it comes back to – when you talk about the Wizards, they have the hashtag DC family. But it's like, well, really, how much of a family is it if really there's only one person's voice who's being heard and, you know, he's not really, you know, leaning on other people? Now, I think that the whole press conference on Monday was, is, a, is a good step in the right direction. It's the first step. But it's going to be a slow process for them to be able to turn this whole thing around. Yeah, I mean, people have to be realistic. But when I say I want Ted to kind of – Stay out of the kitchen. I'm not saying Ted should isolate himself with just whomever the top guy is, but you have a team and you hire the team because I'm hoping you are confident and you believe in what they can bring to the table. So if I'm going to a restaurant or if I hire a chef, I'm hiring them based upon what I believe they can provide for me. I'm not going to hire a chef and then tell them how much seasoning they need to put and how long they should cook, you know, whatever they cook for me in the oven. Let the experts who you hire do their job. And if there needs to be someone who jumps in, obviously you're the owner. But I feel like, I feel strongly about this, the most successful organizations, the owners fall back when they need to, and they have the people who are trusted in place to make the necessary decisions when need be. Yeah, no, I agree completely 100% with that. I mean, I feel like the best owners in sports, Know when to fall back, fade to black, like uh, Jay Z said. Yeah. And you know, at the end of the day, like if Ted is able to do that, then I think that this could be the first step in the right direction in order to turn this thing around. 
for sure, for sure. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we spent enough time talking about the Wizards. I know you you and I, we have a lot of offline conversations about uh, the <laughs> NBA in general and free agency. Now, this is the, this is one where I have to concede where I uh, I was wrong when we talked about uh, free agency for the NBA. I, I thought that it was going to be a little bit slow for a lot of players, but they actually came out and gave a record $3 billion worth of contracts in, in 48 hours. I mean, I, I who, who could have seen that coming besides you, Armand Lee? <laughs> I mean, you know what? This comes back from years ago. I remember 2016, and you know, not to not to go deep down in the rabbit hole, but there were a lot of people in, and I do this thing on my podcast where if I name you, it's because I actually respect you. The people who I don't respect, I won't name, right? So I would hear people like Ryan Rosillo, people who you know pods I listen to, people who, if they write articles I read, and they would always talk about how the players union. Uh, made a mistake by not smoothing the cap. Again, as I said earlier, I'm always going to align myself with the players. To me, I watch because of them, right? And I've always right. felt like the the players and the owners, they are a partnership. There's a CBA. There are two entities that make it the NBA, the players' union and the owners, the league. And it just never felt like a realistic thing for the players to be like, look, all this money is coming in, but let's move, let's limit how much we actually can see until y'all are ready, right? And the owners have always been, front offices have always been the biggest crutch, the biggest obstacle to uh, themselves, really. So 2016 happened. Everybody realized, yo, Bama's was, they were nuts, right? You, you had money, it's like getting your tax return. Smart people will save it, put a little bit to the side, and then play a little bit, right? Have a little kitty, whatever. Whereas some people, they get that tax return, doesn't matter if they got bills, whatever the case, they get that big screen TV. The owners, anytime they get money, they go into Best Buy. They go into Amazon. They buying that big screen TV. So it was just like to me, I would see all the people, all the money, the influx of money, all the teams who were kind of carving out space, and it was just like, I I don't believe in them learning their lesson. Now they learned their lesson in terms of the length of contract. So I guess if you want to give them a bit of credit, you can do that. Uh, they didn't sign as many long-term contracts as Wizards fans will know with the Yami Mahima, Knicks fans like myself, Joe Kim Noah. Exactly. There were a lot of there were a lot of big dollars spent. Yeah, and I think I think that that's the thing. Like we're talking about how the landscape has changed. So where in 2016 they were giving out kind of those longer deals, those four year and five year deals, where teams would uh, you know kind of be stuck into these contracts. And so it's like you sign a player and you scout them out and you don't even know whether the player is going to be good or not. And if the player you bring them into your system and you realize that oh okay this is not a good fit then I think that this is the, the way that it's shifted. The shorter-term contract is much better for the, for the, for, for the, for the player, I mean, for the owners. Uh, sure. I mean, the, the players, though, I mean, it, it's actually kind of mutually beneficial because the players are still, uh, you know, able to get their money. So you see players signing for shorter-term deals, but in a lot of situations getting more money than they probably deserve than the market would bear. So I know yeah. that you're a Knicks fan. Uh, we talk about, like, Bobby Portis who signed, and, you know, he's making $15 million a year. I don't think that there would be too many teams on the market that would be willing to give Bobby Portis $15 million. But because, you know, the teams, are, they, they've kind of learned a little bit from, you know, the cap not being smoothed over in 2016 and the cap spike not really jumping up as much as they wanted, um, that the teams who had money, they were being a little bit smarter with, you know, how they distribute the funds. So I think that at, at the end of the day, it was kind of mutually beneficial so uh, it was like a game of musical chairs. So you have some players who 
you know, ended up on the outside looking in. And I think that there might be a little bit more turnover than we've have than we've seen in past years, where a lot of your, you know, familiar names, guys who, you know, been in the league for a little while, they're still out there, you know, not really signed right now. And it's not really looking like the market is going to be uh, too fruitful for people to uh, go ahead and try to get deals going forward. So, I mean, it, it's just it's just very interesting to look at it from an economics perspective and see, like, kind of markets correcting themselves, like, uh, as time passes. So, I mean, I, I, I know we had to talk about that because, you know, that's, that's like I said, that's one of the, that's one of the things that you, you and I go back and forth and, and, and are very uh, – it ain't arguing. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's real communication and, and just right. trying to decipher like bringing different opinions. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. But I, I, I hear your idea on this because this is something that I've been thinking about because, like you said, the, the economics of the game, that's the type of stuff that fascinates me. And it is a bit of a market correction in terms of the years. But when you look at all the money that was spent, it feels like the middle class of the NBA does really, really well. Like, I, I still, you know, shout out to them. I want players to get as much money as they can. I'm still amazed that someone like Chris Middleton is making money like a Bradley Bill or a you know the top level players. I'm I'm just as confused as you. <laughs> but uh, but when you think about it, right, the middle class is eating. But when you are a rookie, when you look at the rookies in this league, when you look at someone like De'Aaron Fox or Donovan Mitchell, guys who are significant players and focal points of their teams, and how little they make, right? And those guys will get paid in a few years. Don't get me wrong. But right now, they're far outproducing what their contract is. And then you yeah. look at the top, top, top superstars, right? The LeBrons, the, you know, the Kawhis, the Paul George, whatever the case may be. And when you see those guys are getting paid the same amount of money as Tobias Harris and Chris Middleton, you start to wonder, like, though, that's how the NBA eats, right? So I'm curious how you think because the top, the very top, they're not getting paid what they should. And the rookies, Thomas Bryant's not even a rookie, right? He just got his bag. But I think you and I both agree with Thomas Bryant. He's, I believe that he's going to far outwork, outperform $8 million a year. Oh, so we're, we're on a 100% same page when it comes to that, but continue. <laughs> exactly. So, like, the top and the bottom of the, of the league, relatively speaking, they're getting squeezed, and everybody in the middle, they got, they got their hands out because it's raining money for them. Yeah, I mean, I think – I agree completely with everything that you're saying. I think that it's something that we have to look at with uh, Chris Paul, who was the uh, president of the uh, Players Association. I think that um, I think that there's been a little bit of rumblings around the league about some of the players being kind of upset about how players on the lower end are being squeezed out. And just, right. you know, Chris Paul, it looks like that he was looking out for himself when, you know, he's raising the uh, minimum age of the players and uh, <laughs> raising the minimum age of the players and, when they can collect their maxes. So he he, right. he he extended it so that he could get, you know, his max contract, even though going into the year where I think he'll be 37 years old, whereas before uh, he, he wouldn't have been able to do that under the uh, under the last CBA. So, I mean, I think this is we, – we, we can talk about this uh, day and night. Like, <laughs> I feel like, you know, I'm not nobody's pocket watcher. So if these guys right. – there's an old adage that you're paid what, they, what, what you're worth. So if if these teams are willing to pay some of these guys more money than what they might be worth from what our perceived value is, then that doesn't really affect what they're actually getting. I mean, those checks still clear, and you know it matter if they get traded or not. Like you know, so they, they, the contracts are guaranteed. That's one of the benefits of being in the NBA as opposed to the NFL. So I mean, I'm 
I'm, I'm just excited to see, like, all of the news, all of the transactional news of the NBA. I mean, that first 48 hours of uh, free agency was absolutely bonkers. Like, I mean, players left and right, just signing. So, you know, I mean, it's, for, for the league, it's good for the growth and the expansion and everybody being able to talk about it on different levels. Oh, for sure. I mean, free agency was – honestly, you know what? And, again, I – Full disclosure, I'm a bit, I'm a huge NBA head, right? So I, I get that my my reality is not like everyone else's. But again, if you listen to a basketball podcast, I'm assuming that you're pretty much an NBA head too. Um, it was nuts hearing how people. I felt like this past season was one of the best regular seasons of the NBA in recent years. There was so many great teams, young teams, up and coming teams, and great storylines. It all got overshadowed because. So many people thought that it was a foregone conclusion that the Warriors were going to win. They were going to three-peat and all this other stuff. But when you look at how the Eastern Conference broke down, especially at the top, and when you look at, you know, some of the budding stars out west, I thought we had an amazing year in that, that first week, the first two days of free agency still usurped all of what we had. I just think that like, this, the league is in such a great place right now. Hopefully they don't get in their own way. Because this upcoming season, I think, has the makings to be even better than last season. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, yeah, if you're an NBA fan, like, this, is, this is Christmas for us. Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the best things about the league right now is the fact that we've kind of, we've kind of seen the, uh, uh, the dissolution of the, the super teams. So now we have the, the super team era is over. We're kind of transitioning into the, you know, the kind of the big duo era. So yeah. this is like who, what team can get the best two players together? Um, I'm, I mean, I'm just excited to see. I think there's uh, more parity in the NBA than we've ever seen before, and I'm, I'm, I'm just excited to, to see what, how it plays out next season. Oh, for sure. And, and to circle it back to what the Wizards, and obviously the Wizards aren't in the championship contending place now, but what we've seen in recent years is that, man, when you, when you can establish a strong foundation that people can believe in, one thing that I can't stand it's when I hear people say, oh, man, the Wizards, they've never been a big free agent town. They've never been able to get free agents. Well, before this offseason, the only teams who've ever done made big splashes in free agency were the Lakers, the Heat, and the Warriors, right? Those are the only three teams since free agency began. And the Lakers, they got Shaq and LeBron, right? And LeBron's basically been in three of the biggest four free agency signings because he bounced from team to team. But you, at some point, like before this offseason, no, the Clippers never had a big free agent signing. You know what I mean? The Nets had never had a big free agent signing. But what those two teams did was they established a, a culture. They made people believe in what their process was. The, the Clippers won 48 games this past season without a superstar. The Nets won 44 and kind of rehabilitated D'Angelo Russell. But everyone talks about uh, Sean Marks, Keith Atkinson in Brooklyn, or – Steve Ballmer, Doc Rivers, and, of course, Jerry West and Lawrence Frank in uh, Los Angeles. You have to establish some type of foundation, and then you can attract the eye of some players. So unlike what we saw in 2016 with Washington, it, it feels very much like they're not taking the shortcut. And, again, if you are a Wizards fan, if you are prepared, you know, to get your hands dirty and, and dig out the roots from, you know, from the ground up, understand if this works – you know, you can bear the fruit of your labor and not necessarily that long of a of a wait. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, man. I I mean, I think that when you talk about 
it starts with the organization and it starts with the culture. So, yeah. like, when you talk about the Clippers and the Nets, like, building that culture, building a winning culture, and I sure. think that that's what the Wizards are trying to do. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully the Wizards will get there so they can join the party. Hopefully your Knicks get there so they can join the party, too. Uh, uh, either, bad one, <laughs> either way, we're going to be excited, man. But, hey, Armand, man, we, whenever I get on with you, man, you know we can't just talk about sports, man. I got I to gotta talk to you about the music game, man. Well, let me ask you this, man. What's, your, what's been your go-to album that you've been listening to for the summer, man? All right, so for the summer, you know, it's a bit tough because some of the stuff that I really, really like kind of just came out. Um, you know, I like the Dreamville project that came out a few weeks back. Um, I'm starting to really, really dig into the crit, uh, but that just came out last week. And then, you know, you know, I'm – you know, I like the Benny the Butcher joint. That joint goes stupid hard, man. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I feel bad sometimes, man, the Benny the Butcher and the Freddie the Gibbs, man. I feel right. bad that one of my favorite rap subgenres is uh, drug dealer rap, but, I mean, that's, it just slaps so hard, man. It just goes so, so hard, man. You know, <laughs> so anything in my life, but I'll be out there just cranking that joint. Exactly, exactly. Those would be my favorite three. I do, I feel like I know where you're going with this because I saw one of your tweets a while ago. Oh, I, man, yeah. I'm a bit. I, I'll put it like this: You and I both like the internet, right? But I, I never really got into the odd future joint. I never really got into Tyler the Creator. You know what I'm saying? I've heard nothing but good things. I haven't listened to the album myself, but I, I, I just can't really get into him. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, uh, now I see, I see, man. But so my my album of the summer so far is Tyler the Creator's Igor. Uh, really, man, I love it so much just because of the fact. That uh, Tyler, I mean, I feel like he, like, recreated a whole Pharrell album using mm. New Age sounds. And, like, he really, I mean, it, it, it's, it's just, he just expanded a whole vibe. So, whereas, I feel like where DJ Khaled, when he was talking about, oh, when you, you saw the video where he was hating because uh, Tyler yeah. had the number one album. Yeah. He's like, if I make a real song, not mysterious stuff <laughs> where you don't even know what's going on. But it's like, I feel like that was the kind of thing that was endearing to me about Tyler's album, is the fact that, like, he's a music curator. So even though, like, he, he, he's rapping, and his raps are good, too, but it's like he's curating the whole vibe. He's producing these sounds. He's, uh, he's, he's bringing in, he's A&R in his own projects, collaborating with different artists and bringing in different sounds. Had Gerard Carmichael doing, you know, different spoken word skits, uh, skits uh, throughout the album. Uh, one of my favorite joints from the Gerard Carmichael, what he said, uh, sometimes you gotta uh, close the door to open the window, and it's like, man, I felt that. Like, if somebody out here on the grind, it's like, man, sometimes the door is closed on you, man. Sometimes you want to get in, you gotta go through the window. I felt that. So, I mean, Tyler, his album is is a different vibe, but like like I said, I still listen to the Benny the Butcher, the Freddie Gibbs, all of that, and you know, I I, I like to just you know have a have a. Uh, uh, a variety with my music palette, so you know. But you know, I had to chop it up with you. We, we, we're on the same page, so you know, I'm. I could be your uh, your, your young guy who tries to put you on to some of the uh, some of the newer stuff, man. Even nah, you, you might that. not listen to, it, but you you listen to a lot of the stuff I send you, though. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. You 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 know, a lot of people just try to send you stuff, and then you you really quickly find out like, okay, I can't rock with anything that you suggest to me. I, I it's dead now. But you held me down for several several different projects. You'd be like, yo, I'm going to take this out if you like it. And you come through. So, you know, I, I'm probably going to listen to the Tyler joint. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going to make my way through it. I'm going to make my way to it. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to check it out, man, because it's been a lot of different people telling me that I should check it out. 
Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It's, it's really about, like I said, man, expanding that musical palette, man. Just, just creating those vibes, man. And you know what I'm saying? Like, I like, I like the reason why I bang with you so much online is because, you know, you're a real person, really out here, you know, in the, in, in the streets, coming out to events, meeting the people, touching the people. Like, I've, I've hosted a couple, you know, Wizards Watch parties, and you've come out and gotten a chance to, to meet people and network. And, yeah. that, you know, that, that's really what it's all about, meeting other bloggers and other writers and other people who are out here on the ground trying to make it happen. So, you know, it is, this is with this podcast and with everything that I'm trying to do, it's just trying to collaborate and bring great minds together, right? Nah, bro, I'm, and, and, and it's big, and it's not to say this is my man, but, like, it's so important because as someone who works in TV, I've heard it time and time again how people are so quick to dismiss the Wizards and their fan base. And it's, it's almost like a chicken and the egg theory, right? Because the radio station, we all have to go back and forth. We are... You're listening to this podcast, you already know what time it is when it comes to the radio stations in D.C. On the network, on the television side, there's only one real sports network here, and it's partially owned by the Wizards. So I know firsthand you can't really get it the way, you know, a lot of the fans want to hear it, like straight up. So, yeah. like, opportunities, like whether it's the blogs or the pod game or anything, like, man, you know, I'm 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 I'm, I'm always big to, to help lift the, the, the culture of, basketball fans in dc because it's it's real and i fought the fought the fight and people don't believe it but podcasts like yours and you know you know writing on two clips about it all that stuff is so vital because at some point you know people are going to hear like yo we out here exactly it's a, we, we have voices that are going to be heard man so i mean with that man i feel like this is this is the exact conversation that i that we ended up having like we you know we had a whole you know, uh, bullet bullet form points that I sent you that we're going to talk about. But that's just how when the real start talking, you start diverging from that, and you just start getting into organic conversations, man. So I greatly appreciate that, man. Armand, I want you to go ahead and plug yourself, the quarterly report plug, everything you got going on, and let the people know where they can find you. Oh, yes, sir, man. You can hear Troy. Troy's been on the show so many times. But every Tuesday, make sure you check out my podcast, the quarterly report podcast. Man. We talk sports, culture, music, the whole nine, man. Basketball intelligently done, but also with some flavor, man. So check me out on iTunes, podcast, or Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever that you listen to podcasts. Quarterly Report podcast. It's Q U A R T E R L E E Report, and you can also follow me on Twitter at Quarterly Show. Q U A R T E R L E E Show. Again, man, check me out each Tuesday, uh, the Quarterly Report podcast. Yeah, man. Like I said, man, y'all go check out Armand, man. He does great stuff. Like I said, man, he, he's been an inspiration to me. He got me into the podcasting industry. So I greatly appreciate you, man. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. I, hey, I'm, I'm going to get up with you sometime before the season starts. You already know, my brother. Oh, bro, man, anytime, bro. Good luck. All right. Yeah. Hey, so, yeah, that was perfect, man. I literally I hope that, that I've been. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.